preaching time. We've read our text for this morning from Mark chapter number 16, and I will read it again for our hearing on this morning. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 says, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they may go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back because it was very large. And entering the tomb, they, they saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. Just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have your seat. Jesus has been crucified on an old rugged cross. The next day after his crucifixion was the Jewish Sabbath day. The day that was set aside for rest and focus and worship on God. And then it was on Sunday early Sunday morning that the women went to the tomb where Jesus was laid. And this was a borrowed tomb from Joseph of Arimathea. These women go to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. They did not go to anoint his body for the sake of embalming him, as the Egyptians did, but they went with more with perfumes to, so that the body would not smell as bad as it decayed. This really was an act of devotion on the part of these women. Imagine now with me Let's empathize. Let's, let's put ourselves in the shoes of these women. Let's try to see their perspective this morning. It is in the unlikeliest of places 
that they have a divine encounter. The graveyard. The graveyard. A place. A place where many tears have been shed. The graveyard where many groundbreaking and earth-shattering ideas have gone to the grave. The graveyard where, where dreams have been crushed. The graveyard. We typically associate the graveyard with negative thoughts and negative emotions, but it, it is in the graveyard that these women get some good news. It is the graveyard that is the unlikeliest of places for us to receive some good news. These women are now in the graveyard and they're going with the, the, with the intention of anointing the dead body of Jesus. But here this morning, I just want to share with you some good news from the graveyard. I've got five points. Don't worry. I'm going to hit it and quit it today, each point. So just go with me, and we'll be out of here. Point number one. Good news from the graveyard. Come back. Come back. We're in church. Come back. Who is there good news for this Resurrection Sunday? First of all, I believe in our text, there's first good news for the hopeless. It's good news for the hopeless. Remember that these women, they are disciples of Christ. They are followers of Jesus Christ. These disciples, and especially these women, had put their hope in Jesus Christ. Those who followed Jesus Christ believed that he was the Messiah the promised and prophesied one, the one who would redeem Israel. They had put their hope in a man, hoping that he would free them and liberate them from Roman rule and reign. They thought he would free them from this oppressive rule. Remember that it was his disciples that gave up family and friends in order to follow Jesus. These disciples, they had given up careers and vocations to follow Jesus. These disciples realized that there was a significant cost to follow Jesus, and they paid the cost in order to follow this man that would redeem them and restore their nation. They had put all their proverbial eggs in the basket of Jesus. And then that fateful, frightful Friday comes. And it was at the cross that these disciples saw their hope die. It was at the cross that these disciples saw their Savior die. They didn't just lose a friend. They didn't just lose a family member, but they lost everything that Friday. And so when they approached the tomb, they are approaching as hopeless people.
They had followed this religious ruler because they believed that he would turn everything around only for him to die and be crucified at the hands of the very nation that they were hoping to be liberated from. He thought he would put this nation, this rule in their reign to death, but yet they put him to death. And so they show up to the graveyard hopeless. Saturday was another day full of despondency, desperation, and depression. But yet, Sunday comes. And when Sunday comes, the hopeless receive some good news. It was on that Sunday in the graveyard that they heard this message of hope. Here it is. Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he has risen. Y'all, this is supposed to be easy preaching on resurrection morning. If y'all looking for something real deep, come back next Sunday. I just came here to shout with y'all on Easter morning. This is the message of hope. Jesus, just in case we make sure we're talking about the same Jesus, the one from Nazareth. The, the, the one that was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. In the graveyard, the hopeless receive hope again. In the graveyard, hope was restored. In the graveyard, hope was regained. Maybe, maybe you're not shouting this morning because you're saying, Brandon, what is hope? Hope is simply a confident expectation. Yeah, but here's... Here's the good news in the graveyard that hope is not only a confident expectation. The resurrection proves that hope is a person. That's why we celebrate the resurrection because our hope is not in just some event. Our hope is in a person and that person is Jesus Christ. And that's why we celebrate resurrection with the rest of the world even though we do it every Sunday, but on this particular Sunday, we put an emphasis on the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he is our blessed hope. Maybe you're here today and you are wondering, is there any hope for my life? And the good news from the graveyard is whatever your situation is, it may look like it's a, a hopeless situation, but the good news of Resurrection Sunday is Jesus is our hope. And our friends, I, I bet, I, I encourage you to put Jesus at the center. And that man can bring back to life. He can not only resurrect bodies, but he can resurrect families. This man, Jesus, can resurrect marriages. This man, Jesus, can resurrect our hopes and our dreams. When you put Jesus at the center, maybe the reason, the, problem, the problems we have and the reason we are so desperate and in despair is because we have removed Jesus from being at the center. And so now, it is because we have a blessed hope, an anchor for our soul. You wonder, maybe you wonder why, why, 
why it is that Christians, if you're not here and you're not a Christian, you may be wondering why it is that Christians don't, don't pull out their hair. Why don't they lose their mind when their words fall apart? Because our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in Jesus. The same Jesus that got up bright early Sunday morning from a dead situation. Our hope is in him who sits now at the right hand of the Father. Our hope is in a man that's coming back one day and he's going to make everything right. That's why we don't lose our mind because our hope is in Jesus. All right, all right, y'all don't like that point. Let me get a second one. In the graveyard, we find good news for the hopeless, but in the graveyard, we also find good news for the sinner. In the graveyard, we also find good news for the sinner. Remember, here's what the angel says to these women. Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Here it is. He has risen. Okay, you all not be shouting here because I got to tell you something. Our ESV, our beloved English Standard Version of the Bible, doesn't give us the the literal idea from the original language. They, They make it, they translate the Greek there in the active voice. Remember, in the active voice, the verb does the, 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 the subject does the action of the verb. So in other words, it makes it seem like when, they, when the text says he has risen, it makes it seem as Jesus got himself up out the grave. But the, the Greek reads like this. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who was crucified, he has been raised. Okay, I got three claps. I mean, in other words, it it moves from the active voice and it translates the passive voice. Remember, in the passive voice, the the subject receives the action of the verb, which means that somebody else performs the action. what's What's the significance, Brandon? In other words, the fact that it says he has been raised in the Greek means that somebody or something else got him up from the grave. We have something in Greek that's called a divine passive, which means that God is the one who does the action that somebody else receives. In other words, the intent here, the significance is that Jesus didn't get himself up, but his heavenly father got him up from the grave. Okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. But why is that significant? Whether it was God or Jesus, because Jesus is God anyways, so why is it significant? Because remember, That in Romans chapter 4, verse 23, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Jesus, our Lord, was delivered for our trespasses. Let's, Let's just take a moment right there. The cross. We could blame a lot of people for the cross. We could blame the Jews, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. We could... Blame the Romans because they actually sent him to be crucified. But Paul says there's another indictment that can be passed out. You killed Jesus. 
He was delivered for our trespasses. Your sin was what nailed him to the cross. Your sin was what put the crown of thorns on his head. Friday paid the debt that we owed because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. That was Friday. But Sunday, God said, here's what Paul says, he was delivered for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. (sighs) Justification. It means to be declared righteous. Okay, y'all acting holy on me. You know how jacked up you are. You know how deceitful you are. You know how you lie, cheat, steal, lust, fornicate, all these other things. But yet, because of Jesus, you are declared righteous. I'm about to run from this stage. If these lilies were not in my way, I'm going to ask you to confess something for me right now. It'll be easy. It'll be easy. Are there any sinners in the room? Oh, Russ (laughs) Russ put up two hands. He's saying real good. (laughs) Let me tell y'all something. I have an earned master's degree from Dallas Theological Seminary. I spent a lot of money for that degree. But I came here with a PhD. Y'all, I have a PhD in sin. And all I had to do was be born. It cost my mama a little bit, but it cost me nothing. (laughs) And the truth of the matter is we all have PhDs in sin. Okay, you still ain't shouting because obviously you you think God owes you something. Here's what the word says. That the here's what God owes you. The wages of sin, you said you was a sinner, the wages of sin is. Death. What you deserve on your very best day is eternal separation from God. I'm so glad that the verse didn't end there because it says the wages of sin is death, but but the gift of God is eternal life. How do I get it? Through Jesus Christ. That's justification. I've been declared not guilty. And everybody who put up their hands and said I was a sinner, can you imagine that's nothing but grace? Because now God says because of the blood of Christ, you are declared not guilty. He was raised for our justification. Ooh, I'm preaching so hard my mic about to come off. But it's good news for the hopeless. And it's good news for the sinner in the graveyard. Whew. I'm going to shout some more here. But not only is there not, also in the graveyard, is there only not good news for the sinner, but there's also, and I mean that sinner in the sense of somebody who needed to be justified for their sins, saved, but there's also good news for the backslider. Y'all don't even know what that means. It has, we've, we've removed that from our vocabulary in church. The backslide, you, 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 you haven't been as faithful in your walk with Jesus. The backslider, 
You enjoy your sin and not your Savior. The backslider. You don't, you, you don't come to church like you used to. The backslider. You don't love your wife like you used to. The, the backslider. You went back to some old ways and some old habits. The backslider. You're not dedicated. The backslider. Brandon, are you just giving us some, some something true or are you giving us something truth to the text? I'm glad you asked. The text says, the angel says, he has risen, he is not here. Verse 7, here it is. But go tell his disciples and Peter. Question. Is Peter not a disciple? It's not a trick question. Peter was one of the first ones called to follow Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it was Peter that Christ spoke to and said, upon this rock, I will build my church. So the question you must ask of the text is, why say go tell his disciples and Peter? Ooh, y'all act like y'all ain't never heard this sermon before. Remember, Jesus Christ, he said, Simon, Simon, that's Peter's name before he met Christ. Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to have you, to sift you as wheat. He says, but I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. He says, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brother." Peter says, whoa, Jesus, I love me some Peter, y'all. Peter says, Jesus, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus told him, he said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Jesus He's been betrayed by one of his own, Judas. He's been sentenced to crucify, to be crucified. He's now on the cross. And some people say, they see Peter. They said, you were with him. Peter's response, no, I wasn't. Second time. God of second chances. Wait a minute. You were one of his followers. I never knew him. Third time. I I can hear it in your voice. You got a thick accent. You, You were one of his followers. By this time, they done got on Peter's last nerve. And the Simon comes out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's always two of us in here. (laughs) The saved one and the one that we still put in the death. 
And so Simon comes out. You know good. Beep, 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 beep. I said I wasn't with him. What don't you understand? You beep, beep, beep. Three times he denies his Savior. Look at Jesus. He's been betrayed. I need my friends. I need my community. I need my family. I don't know him. Jesus, he's suffering an inhumane punishment. And Peter deserts him. Jesus, crown of thorns has been placed on his head. And Peter, I don't know this man. When Jesus needed him the most, Peter was nowhere to be found. He was running and hiding and denying his Savior. But in the graveyard, the angel says, go tell his disciples and Peter. Okay, okay, let me preach it like I really feel it. I'm about to call the roll since y'all won't get with me. Go tell his disciples and Carlton. Go tell his disciples and Josh. Go tell his disciples and Connie. Go tell it. This is your shout. Maybe you ain't shouting because you're convicted. But the good news in the graveyard is there's grace for whatever sin that you've committed. You can't out-sin God's grace. That's the good news from the graveyard, that your failure is not final, that your denial does not disqualify your discipleship. There is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And that's the good news from the graveyard this morning, that whatever you've done, God says, I can forgive it. Well, there's good news today for the backslider. But finally, and I'm gone, there's also good news for the left out, the marginalized. Brandon, are you making this up or is it in the text? I'm glad you asked. Who went to the tomb? Say that again. Women. In Jewish culture, women were just a little bit above cattle. Women were so ostracized that they couldn't even be a witness in court. Because just because of their gender, they were perceived not to be credible enough to testify in court. Now, now, now. Jesus, he declared himself to be the Savior. He said he would die. He said he'd be raised in three days. How do you validate the truth of his claims? You need some eyewitnesses. I, but I just told you that women 
couldn't be witnesses in Jewish culture. But yet, the first people to witness the empty tomb are the very ones that people said were not credible enough. Jesus now says that at the cross, the level is ground. There's no longer male nor female. There's no, there's no longer slave nor free. There's no longer Jew or Gentile. We are all one in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says now there is equality for those who are in Christ. That's good news for us, the church. How do I close this sermon? I go back to my last point and Peter. The Gospels are written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark was not an original, original follower of Jesus Christ, but yet he's able to give us eyewitness account of Christ's miracles and life on the earth. How is it that this man, Mark, was able to give us accurate details of the life of Christ on earth? He had to have a source. And what we learn is that Mark's source for his gospel is none other than Peter. Only Mark records these words, go tell his disciples and Peter. Matthew does not include that in his account. Because Matthew did not have Peter as his source. Luke does not include those words and Peter and his account. Why? Because Luke did not have Peter as his source. John does not include the words, tell his disciples and Peter. Why? Because John did not have Peter as his source. Mark records, go tell his disciples and Peter. Why? Because Peter told Mark, to write, go tell his disciples and Peter. Peter made sure we knew that he too had been forgiven. Why is it that Peter made sure to let us know that he was also included in the ones who would receive grace from the risen Savior despite his sin, his failure, and his moral lapses. Because when God, when Christ has forgiven you, when Christ has given you grace, you got to tell somebody. And friends, I just wonder if there's anybody in here like Peter that can testify, I've been redeemed, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, and I've got to tell somebody. Come on, honey, let's, let's get ready for communion. If you are here today, that same grace that forgives Peter is still available for you. That's what's so scandalous about the cross. That's what's so scandalous about the, 
about grace because the worst of sinners can be forgiven because Jesus paid the price to rescue us from the wrath of God. And that's why we celebrate this resurrected, risen Savior. Because Friday paid for the sin. But Sunday confirmed that we have been forgiven. Sunday confirmed that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This also shows us that God is involved in our salvation, in our deliverance, and in our rescue from the beginning to the end. God raised up his own son so that we could be declared righteous. And so the response to this sermon is, I'm simply here to report the good news from the graveyard. But this good news demands a response. And that response, this free gift from God through Jesus Christ, of eternal life, the response is, I receive it by faith. That, that, that's what's so amazing about Christianity. It's not about us doing something. It's already been done for us. That's why Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. He's paid the penalty in full. He died your death in your place. And so all you have to do this Sunday morning is place all your trust, all your confidence, all your dependence in Jesus Christ and him alone. Not in being a good person because good people will go to hell. Well, that doesn't seem right. That's because you as a sinner are trying to determine what's right. Only a holy God can determine what's right. Because he's the only one that hasn't been defiled by sin. God gets to determine what's fair. He gets to determine what's just. God determines what's right. We use our human ideas of fairness. And they're still infected with sin. So goodness won't get you there. Spiritual disciplines won't get you there. Having a quiet time every day won't make you right with God. It cannot pay the price that you owe because of your sin. You can sing, shout, run, dance, read your Bible, pray all you want to, but if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, it means nothing. The only thing pleasing to God when it comes to averting his wrath is the blood of his son. Goodness won't do it. Spiritual disciplines won't do it. Going to church, a spiritual discipline, that won't do it. Only thing that can make you right with your creator. It's putting all your faith, all your hope 
in Jesus Christ and him alone. Sunday morning, when Jesus got up out of his grave, he gave the death blow to death. We're all going to die one day. And when we die, we will meet God. And we will have to give an account for our life. We will receive judgment. We'll all spend eternity somewhere, either in heaven or in hell. And God says, you can be with me. That's heaven for eternity. But it's only through Jesus Christ. Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except through me. So maybe your response today is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. I encourage you, don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. Tomorrow is not promised. Come while you still have the time. But for some of us who have already surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, Maybe your response to today's word is, where really is, what do I really put my hope in? Is my hope in Jesus or is, in, is my hope in my spouse, my children, my job, my money, my parents? If your hope is in any of those things, that's called idolatry. And friends, the good news, though, is you can still be forgiven. But you need to repent of your idolatry. You're putting your hope in anything else besides Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today, and you're feeling hopeless about some situation in your life. And you are ready to give up on that situation. You're ready to check out. The good news is that Jesus can restore. He is our hope. So we are not a people that give up, that give out, that give in. Because we serve a Savior who now lives with us, who defeated death. Maybe you're here, you're sin, you backslidden. It's time to rededicate your life back to Jesus Christ. You've been in the hog pen long enough now. The Father is waiting for you with open arms. He simply says to you on this resurrection morning, come home. As stinky, as filthy as you are, I welcome you with open arms. 